Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast this week is Ryan Green, co-founder and CEO of Gridwise. What was really important was, I think, a constant battle for people who are starting out a new concept, but also just as people at different stages of, of growing a product and, and launching new features is is always taking a very iterative, minimal, initially a minimal and iterative approach to de- product development. Started with an, an email that we manually produced every week in a, in a text message service that was us manually typing alerts to drivers. Yeah. There was no automation to it to start. And we did, we did things that didn't scale, but it allowed us to prove out, it just probably save a lot of time and a lot of money by being able to learn from our users before we built something that nobody wants. And so I think that was that approach and that mindset we applied to you know, the first concept and then the next version of the app and the next version, we just continued to, to maintain that mentality. And I believe that that really led to our success and enabled us to, to grow Gridwise to what it is today. This is Ryan. He's a driven self-starter with a passion for building businesses that positively impact the lives of millions. He co-founded his first business, FX Connection, back in 2012. FX Connection was a platform that provided tools to educate people on the Forex markets and connected them to trading coaches. He then joined PNC in FX Sales and Trading, after which he co-founded Gridwise in June 2016 to turn an idea that sparked during his time at the US Navy into reality. Their mission is to impact the global society by improving the way people and goods move in cities. How? By creating a smarter mobility grid that empowers on-demand drivers, cities and mobility stakeholders to plan ahead by understanding transit patterns across the major service providers in real time. And that inspired me. And hence I invited Ryan to my podcast. We explore what's broken in mobility and all the problems this leads to. We then dive into his founder story, what sparked the idea and how persistence helped Ryan succeed when no one believed in his idea up front. We discuss his extreme lean approach to innovation and what he believes is required to build a software business your customers will just keep talking about. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, how taking an abundance approach to problem solving 
can help you make an impact at a global scale. Secondly, that just because people don't believe in your idea to start, doesn't mean it has lacks. Just start, start small, validate, iterate and evolve your vision from there. Thirdly, by our assumptions are sometimes totally off and that can stop us from achieving our biggest breakthroughs in creating value. And fourthly, how giving something of value away can help you unlock and accelerate a much larger value monetization opportunity. Well, hi Ryan, thank you for making the time available today and be a guest on my podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. Excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, I was doing some homework on your company, Gridwise. And yeah, first of all, I've been a user of the new taxi services that we have available these days, the Ubers, the Lyfts, and so on. And then I realized that you're doing something on top of that to make it even better. It fascinated me. So yeah, mm-hmm. really looking forward to this call. So when you've been listening to my podcast before, you recognize that I always start with the question about you, what defines you. So if you had to define yourself as a person or entrepreneur, what words would you use? I would say tenacious would be the word I would use in that, that scenario to answer that question. Nice. Okay, good. That's a single word. That's always even better. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, especially simple part. So your company Gridwise, you started the company in 2016. That, of course, was when, we, when, all the, when the Ubers and the Lyfts of this world were already starting to make some hayway. Is that the right word for it? So what is the big <laughs> idea behind this? What did you see that was a gap in the market that was screaming for something like that you're offering today? Yeah, well, you know, I saw that there was quite a gap. You see these companies like Uber, Lyft, Postmates, DoorDash, the delivery companies, the ride-sharing companies that are moving people from point A to point B, deliveries moving goods from point A to point B. You know, they're two-sided marketplaces. And, and what the initial, the initial problem that we really saw was related to one side of the marketplace was the, the drivers, the workers themselves who are working for these services. And that realization, there was a realization that came of those problems. I'll talk about the problem, but it, it came from, I actually experienced what it was like to be a driver when I was, I was in the military, active duty military in the U.S. And this new concept called Uber came to my city at that time. I took a few rides and I signed up to be a driver and I had experienced what it was like firsthand to be, to be a driver and the pain points that derive from that. And really what I started to, to really realize is that it was really hard. There was a lot of questions always popping up. And I hadn't just like, you know, where related to where should I be driving at? I just dropped a passenger off in the suburbs. Should I stay where I'm at? Should I go back to the city? Should I go over to the airport? I'm not doing this full time all the time. And so I'm always asking myself the question, should I go out and drive today? Should I go out and drive? If I do, should I drive in the morning? Should I drive later? There's just... I found myself like always not being able to have access to the right information to answer those questions when I needed to. And the third part, like the third key question that came up is, is as I went out and, and I thought I did all the right things to make the most amount of money as possible is I was asking myself, all right, well, you know, what are my dollars per hour here? What are my dollars per mile? Like, how did I perform? And, yep. and not only as my, for myself, but just like compared to the market, am I doing better? Like, am I like, you know, above the pack? Am I in the middle of the pack? Am I, do I have a lot of room to grow here? And so there's just, you know, there's so much inaccessible information, but for the information that is accessible, that can help you make decisions. Like if you, you know, searched online and looked up events or other information, a lot of it's very fragmented. 
And so what I saw is that, that due to the fragmentation and inaccessibility of data, you know, the question came up is fast forward about a year or so when I was taking a few rides with drivers and I was, I was out of the military and I started to hear them complain about the same pain points that I had experienced. I was like, is there a way to consolidate a lot of that key information for drivers into one place to help them better plan ahead, better make real-time operational decisions as they're out on the road, but also help them retro, retroactively keep up with their performance and understand how they did and, and, and be able to monitor their trends and patterns over time. And so that's where we went out. And around that same time, I met my co-founder, and, and who is the co-founder and CTO of the company. And we really aligned on the opportunity to empower gig workers and, and from there really set out to solve the problem that exists for the gig workers as a whole. And so that's where we really started started our focus. And then there was really early on and to get to the, like, the problems that we're really tackling at Gridwise is we, we came in focused on the, the gig worker problem. But then we realized that the fragmentation and inaccessibility problems or challenges don't only translate to the gig worker, but also to many industry stakeholders. There's There's so many companies and entities who are operating within mobility, but are also impacted indirectly by mobility. So those are companies like mobility service providers, that's real estate firms, those are financial services, but also the cities and the departments of transportation is as this new transformation of mobility is taking place, all these companies are trying to figure out how people and goods are moving across uh, these gig mobility services. And they have no way to figure figure that out. And so what we learned early on is that we have the ability at Gridwise to empower the gig workers, but also use that mobile application to understand trends and patterns across the major service providers, aggregate that and, and anonymize that data that we can leverage and, and then provide access to data or insights, analytics on how people and goods are moving across these services and empower industry stakeholders as well as the, the workers themselves. So that ties into if there's a takeaway from to be, you know, to answer your, come back to the answer to your question is really just came down to the fragmentation and accessibility of gig mobility data. Accessibility is always coming back as one thing that's so poorly, poorly automated or poorly solved. Well, my first podcast that I that I started the whole thing with in 2018 was about exactly that. It was Mauricio Vecchione talking about the three A's, accessibility, applicability, and affordability. Yeah, I mean, we, we always automate things that we see in front of us and things that need to be better. But yeah, if you don't have access to things, like I was listening to a podcast yesterday, it was about a book, you cannot, you cannot fix what you cannot see. And that's what it is, you know? And you're making these things available and it opens up a lot of possibilities. And maybe, yeah, this is actually why I started this podcast, typically the augmentation side of things, that we can enable people to do things they've never been able to do before mm-hmm. by making things available to them, to give by giving them hints, by giving them a competitive advantage through information. So really good. So what is the opportunity if we get this right? And I'm actually, I think it's, by the way, that's, that's maybe it's a separate topic, pretty smart kind of lift on these big movers that are there right now and, and provide an edge on top of that? Mm-hmm. I would say is you know, the opportunity is for us getting this right is the impact that we have on society, not only in a domestic, from a domestic standpoint in reference to the US, but a global impact that really allows us to execute on our mission, which is improving the way people and goods move in cities. And so by 
as we see that these services are becoming the, the standard for how people and goods move within and around urban areas, yeah. having access to analytics and insights on that, on that movement, having solutions that are empowering the workers and creating more equitable work situations for them and, and a just overall just more sustainability of workers really just creates what I would see and what we see at Gridwise is just more equitable and equitable ecosystem for mobility. And so we see that we have the gig work, the, the gig economy and just gig working as a, as a whole is really just taking off and is expected to be three times of what it is over the next three years, five times of what it is over the next five years. And so there's rapid growth in this industry. And for us, as we have the ability to really catalyze and help people overcome many of the challenges that they need to overcome for us to really cross the chasm for mobility and impact, impact mobility on a global scale. Let me make a small interruption here. Ryan just explained the concepts that gives his business defensible differentiation. By taking an ecosystem approach, they're not only able to create meaningful value for drivers, but for the mobility industry at large. And with that, they're not only solving a driver's problem in isolation, but actually help accelerate how mobility can transform going forward across all mobility services. What Ryan demonstrates is a trait that remarkable software companies master. They start off by aiming to be different, not just better, like many of their competitors. And on top of that, they create new value possibilities that we could not have imagined before. You can master these traits as well. And I've got two options for you to start. First, read or listen to my book, The Remarkable Effect. And you can find that on amazon.com. Secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of like-minded people, tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots explore new paths, and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com and see the videos where many of your peers share the experiences with our tribe and what they've come to value most. Back to the interview. Yeah, that's at the end where the world becomes a better place. Yeah, I mean, I love your cause behind the company. So, well, I'm always interested to hear the founding moment. What, what sparked the idea? Was there, any, was there anything you were doing where you say, okay, enough is enough. Now we're going to do something about it. Yeah, you know, it came from, you know, the initial perspective of, that I mentioned of when I was dry, experiencing driving firsthand. Yeah. And then when I was, I was taking, when I was out of the military, I was taking more and more rides with drivers and hearing them complain about many of the similar yeah. pain points that I had experienced. And then there was a, an interesting, the, the epiphany really came. I think all those data points were really cultivating themselves up to this moment of where I went to a, a startup weekend and pitched an idea that I had. There was a startup weekend, of, you know, for those who don't know, is, is where you know, people with many ideas for what a business could be come in and they pitch their ideas and people join their teams and they try to build a concept in a weekend. And you're just pulled all-nighters for the entire weekend. And so what, what I pitched was this idea for an aggregator of information of there was events, information, and, and other data. And I, I saw it could be helpful for consumers in, in a different use case. But really what happened is I pitched the idea. Nobody liked, nobody liked that idea. Nobody joined my team. And I decided I drove home that night. I was pretty disappointed, pretty bummed out. Because I felt like I was on to something. And as I did so, I saw that I was like, wow, well, I've been a driver. I've been hearing drivers, hearing their pain points constantly. 
And what I was on to was something that would be most valuable for drivers. And actually, instead of just being a nice to have for general consumers, like this is curating this information that I was, such as events and airport traffic and and transit schedules and, and so much different types of insight could actually go to helping gig workers make more money and be just, you know, much more of a utility and a need to have. And so that's where like the light bulb really lit up. And and that weekend, I think it was going into Thanksgiving or it was the next week was, was Thanksgiving. So it was like that weekend, I started modeling out what the market opportunity could be. I started to look into like, what are the, what are, what are the trends of this industry trying to understand this market and then that next weekend on Thanksgiving, I built a website and built a proof of proof of concept of what I thought the product in, would be for drivers. And then just went to market and started pushing that out and marketing it and just wanted to validate that concept to see if I was actually onto something, if drivers actually would want to use cool. what the idea was for Gridwise. And? And uh, yeah, so yeah, so essentially I had this landing page. I was A-B testing and it was about curating event information and to one centralized place was the, the initial concept. And so when the drivers, when drivers would come on, they would go to this page and they would sign up and then they would go to a pricing page. And I would just want to see like what was most important for people in terms of features that I was thinking through. So it A-B tested pricing, tracked what people were clicking through there. And then there was a, the last page was a success page where it would actually say, hey, sorry, unfortunately this product is under development. But if you're a committed driver, fill out this survey, this long survey and tell us, you know, tell us more. And within about a week and a half of, there was actually, there was a couple of weeks where I was trying a few different channels. And then there was, after about a couple of weeks, I found Facebook groups and Facebook groups was a place where there were so many drivers, it was a driver, so many driver communities in, in every city and nationwide. And so started pushing this on Facebook groups. And in a week and a half, we had over 500 drivers who signed up and over a hundred who filled out and completed the survey. And in the survey, people were spilling their guts. They were just telling us about all their pain points and proposed solutions, their strategies, how they drive, when they drive. And just you know, really, you know, I had a set of hypotheses coming into this. And so you know, some of them, it validated some of them and then proved some of them wrong and really just helped to refine the direction of where Gridwise could go to get off the ground, but also help to validate that, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm on to something here. Very cool. So then you started to develop it based on the feedback that you already had from, from hundreds of drivers. So how did you make sure, what did you do specifically product strategy-wise to create a product that would deliver that remarkable value, 10x value, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, from there, it was really figuring out what is the right product to build? What is the right feature set? How are drivers going to consume this? And how do we go to market with this product? Do we open up something nationwide and allow people to consume information from everywhere? What we saw early on is like that if we wanted to really add value to drivers, we needed to really be relevant to their locale. Everything was about like where you were actually driving and operating and that changes across different cities. And so what we did is my co-founder and I, we got into an accelerator program. That was the initial investment we received. And then from there, we, our first product and solution, our MVP was a, a weekly email that sent out every Sunday 
that told drivers about what's happening for this week related to events, airport traffic trends, weather, and, and some other insights. And then there was, we complemented that. So that was like the planning mechanism. And then we complemented that with a, a text message service where we would text drivers a couple times a day and let them know what's happening in the city in real time. So we'd say, hey, this event's letting out in the next 30 minutes. Hey, it's going to rain in the next 45 minutes. There's a peak in passengers at the airport that are coming in right now. And really, initially, before we had all the data aggregation systems and algorithms set up, it was my partner and I subscribed to a bunch of apps on our, on our phone who were alerting us of this information. And then we would take that information, repurpose it and type it out in a text message service that my partner built in a format that was more re- relevant to drivers. And then we would, we would text them that information. And that was our initial solution. And what that did and the, why we took that approach rather than just building an app from the start, because that we knew that building an app would be would consume a lot of resources. We were yeah. very resource constrained. We didn't have a lot of runway. And it enabled us to just get something in someone's hands, collect the feedback we needed to understand what people really care about and what, what they just really don't need, but also helped you know, catalyze new insights that we just never even thought of. So when we were texting drivers all these different alerts, what happened is drivers started to text us back and something that we didn't even plan for initially or count for. And drivers would text us back, but crowdsource information around what's happening in the city. So they'd say, hey, I just got on this highway. There's traffic here. There's a car accident. Let other drivers know. Hey, I just got to the airport. There's 45 other drivers here in line. And this is information that just wasn't accessible for drivers in the way that they needed to be. So what we would do is we would consume that and then text it back out to the rest of the drivers in different regions of the city. And that was really an enlightening moment because we thought the drivers were competitive and cutthroat and didn't want people to know what was going on and hold the information themselves. But we saw that there was actually more of a stronger sense of camaraderie and community between drivers that existed. And they realized that no one person is going to be able to utilize information and hold it to themselves and and use for their own advantage. There's so many things happening in a city in a given time. So it's better to pay it forward and use them for crowdsourcing information and for the betterment of all drivers out there. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. And it's fascinating how you kind of get to realize something like that just by trying out and just see what happens. So you created like the ways for taxi drivers. Yeah, yeah, essentially, that's where, that's where everything started. So in that whole, you took the minimum viable product to the next level. And what decision in that whole process was, was really important for, for the success you have right now? I think what was really important was, I think, a constant battle for people who are starting out a new concept, but also just as people at different stages of, of growing a product and, and launching new features is, is always taking a very iterative, minimal, initially a minimal and iterative approach to de- product development. And I think doing so, as I, as I just mentioned, like we started with an, an email that we manually produced every week in, the, in a text message service that was us manually typing alerts to drivers. Yeah. There was no automation to it to start. And we did, we did things that didn't scale, but it allowed us to prove out, it just probably save a lot of time and a lot of money by being able to learn from our users before we built something that nobody wants. And so I think that was 
that approach and that mindset we applied to you know the first concept and then the next version of the app and the next version we just continued to to maintain that mentality and i believe that that really led to our success and enabled us to to grow up gridwise to what it is today yeah when did the breakthrough moment came so what when did your when did you see it really taking off and was that go by with a particular feature or was it maybe by adding another city or yeah, I would say it was the year of 2019 was really the the breakout moment for us is we, we launched the mobile application, full mobile application in 2017. And then what our goal was, was to prove out our go-to-market strategy in a couple of markets. So we started with Pittsburgh, where we were headquartered, and then we opened up into the DC area. So that was uh, Washington, DC and Baltimore, and then Chicago. And we wanted to prove out that we could build high density networks of drivers in each city because we saw that the value to any network is proportional to its density. And that would unlock other opportunities for in terms of our business model outside yeah, of just true. trying to charge drivers money for using Gridwise. And so we offered the app for free. And the breakout moment in 2019 was going from you know proving out in the latter part of 2018, our go-to-market strategy, getting high penetration in those mentioned cities. And then from in 2019, we went from four to about 32 cities um, oh, pretty quickly. And, and that enabled us to go from a couple thousand drivers to, I believe we had empowered over 100,000 drivers during that time. And so really saw rapid growth through 2019 and, and going into 2020, I, we ended up getting to about 41 cities until we opened up the app nationwide to the entire U.S., so that was that was a big year, big year for us, and gave us a lot of momentum going into to twenty twenty. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, I mean, I can imagine that once you get the flywheel going around one city, then then the and the concepts work that it's easier to start adding cities because, I mean, to go from thirty from four to thirty two, thirty two to forty two, and then to the full US, that's quite a leap. <laughs> there was a lot of work going in, into the years there. I mean, there's always a lot of work going on, but it was a good time. And it was a lot of, I would say it was yeah, definitely a pivotal, pivotal moment for, for us as a company. I can imagine. So what has been the biggest obstacle to overcome in that growth that you've experienced over the last two years? Yeah, I would say it's like one of the, the big, you know, outside of being, I mentioned being resource constraint, which every startup deals with and deals with kind of scenarios of, running out of cash at, at different moments and things that sort. I would say with uh, was very nuanced with our company was just kind of how we had to really prove out like we we were foregoing revenue early on to to build this driver network that would open up other business opportunities and business models, more B2B models for us. And and so what we knew we had to do was build this this driver network and do it in a hyper local way going city by city. And that, that was what informed our go to market strategy. And that's why we went city by city is we saw that we could produce more network of like we could develop and induce network effects for the product and create a more powerful product for drivers by doing so. And then open up advertising model through our own ad network or brand network. And as well as the data services business that I talked about that allows us to enables us to empower other stakeholders in the ecosystem. And, and so I think foregoing revenue was a challenge for us because we had to convince we've, we've raised capital, we've raised 5.6 million to date, and we had to convince investors that, Hey, like it doesn't make sense for us to try to directly monetize from drivers. 
And we need to be able to grow a driver like this network of drivers, we think of it as a, a Trojan horse per se, to, to be able to unlock what I think the bigger opportunities are. And it better aligns with our mission as a, as a company, but our focus on like the empowerment of gig workers as well is, you know, we're trying to empower gig workers. And for us to just throw out, to say like, you need to pay $20 a month to use Gridwise or something like that, which a lot of our competitors were doing, yeah. just didn't align with, I think the right direction that we needed to go to, to build this company. So that was a big, it was a big challenge that it was just like, foregoing the revenue and convincing investors that this was the right move and getting that allowed us to get to where we are today. So it, it worked out in the end, but it was yep. challenging first few years. I can imagine. Now, I mean, that is always, of course, the case of the network effect that you try to create. So, I mean, if you look at what is attracting people to come to Gridwise, is it the standard service that you have with all the information that, that you get from there? Or is it possibly even the insights that they get from their peers? that they would normally never get from the other services that, that are around? Yeah, I would say it's it's the central, like having all the important information for you as a driver in one place that's being a value or companion to you across the entire journey of your driving. So from the planning phase to the real-time decision-making to the retroactive analysis is Gridwise is there helping you in every every step of the way. And so I think that's, there's no one particular feature or insight that is bringing all drivers in. And I, I think it's just more of that well-rounded aspect that applies to different types of personas of drivers, because it's a, a nuanced aspect of our user base is that they differ quite a bit based off of their personal situations that dictates when they're going to be driving, where they live that dictate, could dictate where they're going to be driving, as well as just their overall personal preferences associated with driving. Some people are like, I don't want to drive Friday nights or Saturday nights and pick up drunk people. And other people are like, I don't ever want to wait at the airport. And other people are like, I only want to drive in the city. And other people are like, I only want to do airport runs. So like there's, there's just driver's strategies differ quite a bit. And so we've set out to build a product that can really be valuable to all those different types of personas of drivers and just be a utility to as, as many drivers and, and gig workers out there as possible. I understand that. That's, of course, when, when people start, when you create fans out of just customers, people start talking about it because it does, it gives them an advantage that's specific for them. And I see it in so many of the calls that I do, the podcasts that I do. It's, it's at that level, creating those magic moments where they say, wow, this is really a help to me. So what have you been most proud of seeing so far? What is an anecdote that you keep, well, communicating out there? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's just been you know, overly humbling to be able to take this concept, this idea that we had many years ago and, and now be at a point where we've been able to empower over 230,000 drivers wow. out on the road and across the US. And so like, I think being, when we think about empowerment, that's really being able to see the feedback coming in and from drivers are related to just how we help them make more money, how we help them increase drivers will write in and say, Hey, I feel like I was blind before. And now, now I can see it. And Gridwise is helping me make a couple hundred dollars helped me make a couple hundred dollars more this month than I feel like it's I've made before. Helped inform me to actually have it a real strategy or make informed decisions. And, yeah. and so being able to see that like direct impact that we have on a new this new wave of a workforce, as I would say, is is one of the most 
rewarding thing since this really come from good wise is that in it's the intrinsic rewards out, outweigh any, any of the extrinsic to this point. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to the beginning of the call and you were just, but I asked you, like, what's the opportunity? And you were talking about society. So now that you've got 230,000 drivers, you've got all this information, what are the business models or what are the things that you're now seeing that start to happen that is going beyond what you deliver to, to the drivers as a value? Yeah, I would say is there's a few. What we've seen is that we have a multitude of ways that we can monetize our, our platform in, while still aligning with our core focus of empowering gig workers. And so one of the ways is through our, our brand network where we bring in large brands, small brands, medium-sized brands that are all looking to reach gig workers. But we, we're making sure that these brands are, are value-add to our drivers, whether it's helping them you know, find better phone plan or that really accommodates the way that they're using data and switching phones on and off or their apps on and off constantly or things of that sort, insurance products, other like or what we call earnings boosters that helps them make more money. And so we promote those companies to the drivers and we, we make money from that, but it's it's helping them find more resources, be more aware of, of other ways to make money, say drive safer or really just increase their bottom line. And then also is one that we're, we're we're getting off the ground now is, is related to what we would call gridwise analytics. And so what we're doing is, is, as I mentioned, is taking this data related to kind of the supply and demand of, of services out there yeah. and anonymize, aggregating and anonymizing and providing the, the first accessible source of analytics that's, that's able to provide insight into how people and goods move across all the major service providers in the U.S., yeah. So we're really, really excited to be able to to leverage that to empower other stakeholders out there in the industry. And I would say over time, we see opportunities. There's other opportunities that come about that are related to just building an ecosystem around drivers. And that that's not just from the brand network, but also just other products that we add in our arsenal to help empower drivers. So one that we recently launched was is called Gridwise Protection. We launched two months ago. And what that enables is, is drivers to have their minds put at ease because now they can sign up for Gridwise Protection, have up to 80% of their income covered in situation, in dire situations where they're in a collision, they are hospitalized, they're unfairly deactivated from a service provider, or they need to take a sick day. They get sick and many drivers will still go out and drive because they don't have the ability to just have their income come in and they rely on that. And so they'll pay for a monthly premium to have a certain number of days covered that they want their income covered in case any of those situations happen. And so that's a new monetization channel for us. And we see opportunities to, to bring in other types of services in our ecosystem of offerings to drivers that help empower them and, and help us make money at the same time. Yeah. And because you have all the information about what's going on and when and, and, and where, this allows you to create a competitive offering i would say interesting because i mean i've seen there's a couple of those business models arrive with other podcast guests that i had as well one that comes to mind is one with what i did with timothy willis from aerobotics who is essentially providing well augmenting farmers to understand where they need to go on their farm where the trees are not healthy or dry or too wet and so on but with all the data that they're collecting, they're also sourcing, but providing information about what's, what's down the supply chain in terms of what's coming, in terms, for example, citrus yields. And that's then picking up, picked up by insurance companies where they can actually yeah, insure wow. some of that. 
So, I mean, actually, if you're following a similar concept there without maybe even <laughs> knowing yeah. this, not with citrus fruit, but with, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with people driving cars around. So, yeah, interesting. So I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect. Well, that book couldn't have existed without having people like you on the podcast that, that, that share the story of how they are transforming the world. So I'm always interested to hear from people like you what do you believe is, is the secret to build a company that people keep talking about? What are traits that you need to have or to stand out? I think one of them is related to what I mentioned earlier is just making sure that you don't try to build your vision from day one. I think that's a common, common mistake that so many people out there will make. And you'll hear, I hear people all the time, uh, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, it would be I'd love to, to pick your brain on this idea I have. And that idea is, is connected to the, they want to build this app that does X, Y, and Z. And they're paying a dev shop, you know, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars or something to get this off the ground. And I was like, wow, well, that's not a great approach. To take. Like, how do you even know that this is someone people wanted? What did you do to validate this or things of that sort? So I think one is, is not trying to build, build your vision from, from day one. And then just getting back to getting back to the question, could you repeat repeat what that was? Because I, I started to lose track. The, like, can edit that out. What do you believe are key traits that you need to have in order to build a remarkable software uh, business? Yeah, yeah. So outside of that is just the ability to overcome overcome adversity, to know that be able to take on adversity and knowing that it's gonna come almost every single day. And being able to to have, I would say th- Thick skin that allows you to you know take on adversity, but also know that there's there's going to be so many situations where you're a month away from running out of business, or you've got you know this legal issue that's going on, or an employee dispute, or or, or so many so many things happen on a constant basis, and, and so just being able to have a mindset that allows you to to consume those and, and not be emotionally swayed one way or the other, just take everything with a neutral approach and collect the data that you need to and make a decision off of that. It is a very stressful endeavor to, to put yourself through. And so I think is, I think it's part of the, it's related to that. And then also as you're going through that, it's just having the ability to, to step away. And what we would like to say at our company quite a bit is, is sharpen the saw is what we say. Nice. What we tend to say is that, you know, if you're going to go out and and chop a forest full of trees or cut down a forest full of trees is you've got to be able to take a break every once in a while and sharpen the saw. Otherwise, you're you're not going to really make much progress there after a while. So I think that's another important aspect to this is being able to have the capacity to step step away and step out of the bubble and sharpen the saw and come back in. I see that all the time. So yeah, wise advice. That's such an important thing. So kind of connected to this. What had been a valuable lesson that you've that, that someone told you or that you've learned the hard way that you would give to someone else that wanted to start a business or to take it to the next level? Valuable lesson that I've learned from somebody else. Yeah, or someone that was an advice that you would that you'd wished to have heard earlier on. Yeah, I would say is a, advice that I've wish I took earlier on is just learning how to say no faster. Gotcha. There's always going to be opportunities that that come up it could be related to fundraising and investments and investors who are entertaining your calls but 
continue to string you along as, as you entertain, uh, allow them to. There's going to be people who, companies who offer to acquire you. There's going to be people who, um, you know, partnerships that pull you to another country for something. And, and I think early on in our company, it was the, really the, the first venture back company that I've, I've created. I've, I've started a, a, another business before when I was in college, but this was really a company of the scale. It was the first time I've created this. So early on, I didn't know what, how to fundraise and I, I'd get an email to, from an investor from, you know, the first few months of starting a company. And I'd, I'd take a call with like any investor reached out to me and, and I'd be like, wow, that's, that sounds interesting. And then it's like, you get on a call and they're like, we invest in companies who have you know 5 million in revenue and do this. And it was like, all right, well, we don't have that, but let's keep talking and, you know, see where things can go. It's like, why would you, why would you continue to have that conversation? Like you should, you shouldn't even have taken that call. You got to find that information beforehand. There's other investors who will invest at your stage and they're going to like, you've got to be able to get to a no as fast as possible yeah. with investors, with partnerships, with anybody else and just figure out, does this make any bit of sense to, to continue? Because like, you've got to put, put a dollar sign on your time and know that that time's ticking. And so every call that you make is, it's got to be valuable and worth it. Every email that you continue to, you know, have threads in, of a dialogue and it's all taking up your time. So something that I learned the hard way, I would say through the first you know, year and a half of the company was really just learning how to say no faster. Yeah. I mean, it's such an obvious one and we continue just to, to, to make those mistakes. So yeah, I mean, thanks for all these insights. What is next? What is your greatest aspiration in the next 12 to, to 18 months with the company? Yeah, I would say is, you know, as I mentioned, we're in the very beginning stages of standing up what we call Gridwise Analytics, the analytics segment of our, our platform. And so I, I think for us, is it's really going to be a big year of, of really we, where we start to see this revival of, of ride share, as, as, as we can imagine that that's, that's kind of gone down because of COVID. Yeah. We've seen a lot of growth in the delivery segment of drivers, but seeing the revival of that and being able to take Gridwise Analytics as a platform that can Build these, we build these components that starts to really empower, make an impact on, on the, the entire ecosystem. And that's coming, you know, coming trickling back down to the, the drivers themselves, as well as impacting you know, those who are planning infrastructure and policies and, and minimum wage standards for drivers, or that's entities who are, are really being able to influence the way the people and goods move in cities. So I think this is a year for us to really start to solidify ourselves as the go-to source for those analytics as well as really just the leader in, in creating gig mobility solutions. Yeah, that's a very good target to have for 2021. And then now that we're coming out of COVID, I mean, the world has considerably changed. And I, I, yeah, I do believe that with the analytics that you're creating here, other sectors and other business models can really benefit from this to make their solution even better. So thanks for this. So where can people go and find out more about your company Gridwise or to say hi to you? Yes, yeah, so they can go to our website, it's gridwise.io. And also, if it's relevant for you to use our product, you could download it in the Apple or Google Play app stores just by searching Gridwise. And to get in touch with me, you can reach out to Ryan at gridwise.io. All clear. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. This was inspiring call. I mean, I like what you're doing. I like how this the story started and the potential that we have here to take mobility to a next level and do something good for society as well. So good luck with the company. I keep following you and yeah, all the best for 2021. 
Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you having me on, on the podcast. It was a pleasure. And this ends my conversation with Ryan. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Ryan Green, co-founder and CEO of Gridwise. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, 